one verse in your hearing. Verse number nine of Galatians chapter six. To the Bible readers, it is a common scripture. The depth of it, however, has uncommon understandings. Are you ready? And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Make ready. We're making ready. Turn to someone and say, we're making ready. If there is a guest close by, tell them we're getting prepared. Give honor to all the ministry of the church. Uh, Give honor to the pastoral care team. Give honor to brother and sister Shock. I see Pastor Eric Patterson tonight here and his wife and children. Thank you from Brazil. Thank you for being here. Love you. I want to say for Brother Patterson and for the Church of Brazil that New Life Fellowship is in fellowship with you. And we're so thankful for that. Amen. Now let's just pray that the Lord will help us for a moment. Would you do that with me? Heavenly Father, I pray for your wisdom and understanding to be made manifest in this house. And I ask you for all the favors in the name of Jesus. Do things that we cannot do. Do things in the Holy Ghost that cannot be done with the words of a man or with the script of a page. Let it be done by your spirit. I rely upon you now today more than ever before. And I'm faithful to say you are the great God. Help me to be faithful to always recognize you are the one. Oh, Lord. Now I feel it, Lord, but I need your help today. Make manifest the very things that you have so declared to us. Amen. All the people said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. In the realm of medicine and in healthcare, specifically that of the surgery and the surgeon and the concentration of such skills, it has been noted that it takes no less than 13 years of preparation to become a surgeon, even to enter the most common of those surgical skills. It's a long time. It begins 
really in grade school, they say. And it moves into middle school, high school produces a handful, not many, that will then enter into the next step of the undergrad study. An MCAT has to be taken, that's a study exam, then to be accepted into a medical school. There aren't very many places open. If an individual passes through those filters, then they'll spend the next many years learning. And now the undergrad will become the grad student only to learn more, the details, memorization, understandings, some mathematical skills, the knowledge of chemistry. It'll lead to further lab work and then shadowing. And then there's internship and the like. The time frame is not cut short. If you are the one that is in pursuit of that profession, the whole matter is exhaustive, it's expensive, and it is intense. But if you are the patient, you're happy. The U.S. Corps of Engineers have some very standard requirements, which by their own admission are made to weed out people who are not qualified for the job. The fact is that the billing cannot be put into the hands of a novice because people traverse those bridges and expanses and families and lives and commerce and trade and in fact the economy all hinge on the time spent and the expertise to construct the bridge, the building and the road. Some of the dams require engineers, the best and brightest minds, because a flooding can occur, and they are trying to prevent 100-year floods from coming again. But the greater of those things involve the never-dying soul. To be called to lead is one thing, but the Bible is replete with the times of preparation. And the ultimate, the main thing, is that God prepares his church, his bride, for that great day of the Lord to come. Preparation, making ready. In the space of this time, our day, I feel a certainty that God is preparing us to receive an influx of souls right before the last trump of God sounds. People are going to redeem their soul in this house right before the coming of the Lord. He's preparing us, and in return, we must prepare ourselves for them and for him. And while I understand the spirit of revival and even the aspects of a Sunday night church, which is very evident tonight, I am commissioned to relay this word to you, to all the faithful saints, both present, those watching, and who will watch in days to come. Here is the word for you. Don't become weary in well-doing. Due season is coming. And when it comes, we all must be ready for its coming. (laughs) 
pardon me if this is a little brash, but you didn't clap like you're going to clap in due season. You didn't rejoice over that word that I just said like you will rejoice when it happens. Because when you see blinded eyes open and the deaf hearing and the lame walking and the dumb talking and the cancer removed and the people flooding in by the dozens and your family and your friends baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and the miracle happened. I'll, I'll give us... I'll give us all a pass because we don't understand due season. We don't understand. We don't even understand that the latter and the former rain is going to be mixed together. We have no idea what that really means. I just have to say it by faith that when it happens, you're going to be overwhelmed. There's not enough, there's not enough dance in your step. There's not enough tears in your eyes. There's not enough shouting your voice to say thank you, Jesus, and rejoicing because it's due season and it has come. Yes. I wish we'd just get a little prepared right now and act like it's already been. That God has already done the thing. That God has already performed the miracle. Don't get weary. Due season is coming. Hear me tonight. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. I'll just pray this prayer. Open up their eyes, Lord, so they can see that there's always more with us than are with them. I pray the Lord open up your eyes that the Lord can save by many or by few. That with God all things are possible. Yes. I love to hear someone retort, they'll never be saved. You don't know my God. They're not bigger than God. You don't know what kind of storm God could put them in just to drive them right to the foot of the cross. I don't think I'm declaring anything that hasn't already been said one million times over by every generation. At the very end of time, this world is going to wax worse and worse. You won't even be be able to move and you'll be suffocated by the corruptness. In fact, the Bible says that unless he shortened the days, we wouldn't even be able to make it. Hear me when I tell you the world is going to be corrupt and sin is going to abound. It's going to be great. It's going to be overwhelming. But the Bible says where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. Because when it gets dark and it gets midnight and it gets black and it gets... The light starts to shine greater. Please be seated for a moment and clap your hands when you get there. This is what Peter said, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always because you never know who's going to ask you something, but you're going to have to give an answer to every person that asks you about the hope. What is that hope? It's the Holy Ghost and you're going to have to give it with meekness and with fear. That means you're not going to be, you're not going to be hateful, but you're going to tremble because it's real and it's right. Be ready for everyone who says, tell me about being baptized in Jesus name. I need to know where that is in the Bible. Tell me what you're doing there. 
And being ready takes preparation. It means we have to study the Bible. Being ready means we have to have prayer times. Mm -hmm. Being ready means we have to build a place. Being ready means we have to work on self. And we have to work on our family. Preparation is not always fun. Working is not always pleasant. But we have to make ready. You have to prepare. If the Lord so tarries, you'll make money. But if you spend everything that you make when you're older and you've not prepared, you won't have anything when you're older. Mm -hmm. I've said this many times. I I want to say this again. I, I want you to go to the bank on Monday and I want you to go up to the teller and I want you to ask the teller, him or her, I want you to ask for $250,000. That's what I want you to withdraw tomorrow. When you get that, I want you to call me on the phone. My number is listed. Somewhere. And if the teller says, I'm so sorry. I cannot give that to you. You say to the teller, I want $250,000. You're a bank. You have it, don't you? Well, it's, it's in the safe. Well, I want it. Give it to me. And if the teller says no, then you get angry at her. I want you to throw your pin. I want you to bang your fist. I want you to say, I've been, I've been at this bank all my life. My father banked here. My grandfather banked here. I've been coming here every year, every day, every week. I've got two or three accounts. I got a savings account. I got a checking account. And when she still shakes her head and you still demand $250,000, you get mad and you get angry. And then you say, I don't, who's running this joint? That's what I want you to do tomorrow. I shop, I shop, I bank at an improper fraction. So go to the improper fraction and tell them you want $250,000. Tell them you want to withdraw that from your account. And when they look at you and say, you don't have that much to withdraw, you get mad at them. We like to withdraw something we've never deposited. That's what we do when we come to church. We want to draw something from God. We've never deposited anything. We say, well, I've been coming there all this time. Now I need something. Here, pastor, hold on a second. Here, pastor. Until you start to deposit something, until you start to give into something. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your time, your effort, your energy. Don't get angry when you're not getting anything in return. It's time for you to make ready and to prepare. This, this is in your Bible in Hebrews 11. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things seen, not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world, became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Here's another verse about Noah. Noah lived in a time when people were disobedient, but the long suffering of God waited in his days. That was about 120 years. The ark was preparing wherein few, that's eight saved, eight souls, his family was saved by water. 
Bodie Hodge uh, writes and, and works at Answers in Genesis. And Hodge says that the building um, of the ark might have taken around 40 years. But he also says that there, there could be a maximum time in relation to the age of Noah's three sons. And he, and, and, and Bodhi, uh, submits that the maximum time for the completion or the construction of the ark of Noah could reach up to 75 years of construction. Now, Noah preached longer than that, maybe 120 years. But the time frame, though it's unclear in the Bible, the ark took decades in the making. Noah, had Noah given up, his family would have died. There, I don't know, but it seems to me there had to be days when it seemed futile, laborious, tiring. The, the Bible doesn't speak of it, but I often wonder if Noah ever experienced a little bewilderment because there's clear skies and there's, and there's mocking voices and he's out there every day for decades of time. He's, he's consuming all the gopher wood. He's building an ark and everybody's looking at him building an ark, but nobody knows the evidence of what's going to happen. I tell you, whatever the cost, whatever the time, the energy, or the effort, you've got to build something to save your own family. Just don't get weary in the process. Because a season is coming. And until you have an ark, you're not going to be able to traverse the water. (laughs) The Lord is preparing this church. And the season's going to come. But just know that many things have been lost Right before due season. Due season is that time when dreams are finally revealed and visions are finally made clear and promises finally come to fruition and the word of God is made plain. But before due season, your faith will be tested. Weariness often sets in. Even doing good without fulfillment becomes a struggle. Right before due season, the spirit of an individual can often faint It's work without reward. It's doing right without recognition or even evidence. Due season clarifies itself. It needs no introduction. It it is every moment. uh, It is the very moment that, that, uh, that gives you the confidence because it's there. But right before due season, it's hard sometimes because many people try to rush through it. or, Or they question where God is because they've been doing good and doing right. Giving and serving and worshiping and praying. But the answers have not come. So I say tonight, as Paul admonished the church of Galatia, don't become weary in well-doing. Due season is when you're going to reap. You can faint. I'll give you Jesus and a host of powerful patriarchs. Here's Luke chapter 2 verse 39. When they performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city of Nazareth. And Jesus, the child, grew. He waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Think of this now. Jesus lives the majority of his life as the unknown incarnate God. We see him at his birth. We see him when he's about two years old. We see him at the age of 12 years old. And then here in the Gospel of John, when they wanted wine at a wedding, his mother Mary said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Jesus begins with the pressing of his own mother. He is 30 years old. He will teach. He will then preach, heal, deliver. He'll die. He'll rise from the grave in the short span of about Three and a half years, which means Jesus spent 30 years preparing for about a three-year ministry. 
He spent 90% of his time making ready and only 10% of his time actually doing the work. And even in those three years that he ministered, there were many times that he was not with the people, but he escaped and left to a mountainous place to be by himself or a few of his men. And while this is an unpopular word that I give to a hedonistic culture, even a Christian culture, even a Pentecostal culture, which wants everything instantly and right now, I would rather have three years of turning the world upside down than spend 30 years in mediocrity. What you don't know is that what you're preparing for, it might be a long time in the waiting. But the moment when it clicks, when the due season comes, I promise you, something's going to turn upside down. There's going to be so much power, you won't even understand how it's happening. Because God is going to do the work. Somebody ought to shout out, yes! You've got to prepare. We are preparing tonight because God's going to come and it's going to be due season, but it's not yet. Check out the chief prophet and his apprentice, Elijah and Elisha. I'll read from the scripture. First Kings 19, 19. And so he, Elijah, departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12 and Elijah passed by him and put his mantle on him. Elisha. Elisha was given the mantle. It was the anointing. It was the recognition of a passing of baton. <laughs> From the chief prophet to now his called apprentice. And now the apprentice will have a claim to fame in time. But what he was known for immediately was not the miracles brought through him or the power that he so often wielded like the gliding sword of a seasoned warrior. No. For when the king asked for a prophet, here is what they said that qualified Elisha to give a word. I'll read it to you. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. He was prepared. He washed the hands of Elijah. How long did he wash the hands of the elder? I'll tell you how long. Six long years. Six years of serving. Six years of training. And that happened after the call. It was not instantaneously. It was a daily walk. Serving, making the bed, cleaning, making the food, cleaning up after the food, washing the hands of the chief prophet. Elisha performed the work of the following a long time. He performed miracles, so many miracles. But his claim to fame was that he served his elder. And in 2 Kings chapter 3, while he was already a proven prophet, his claim to fame was that he was the one who served his predecessor. Preparation and making ready gave him the qualification not the miracles that he had performed. Take a view of the, of the, of the man Samuel. Here's the Bible. Samuel grew. The Lord was with him. He didn't let none of his words fall to the ground. All Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. The Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. 
According to the first century Jewish historian Josephus, Samuel was 12 years old when he heard the voice of God in his bedroom. But Samuel was 38 years old when he took the took leadership when Eli died. The date was just about 1102 BC, which means that Samuel learned the ways of the temple and he learned how to order the holy vessels in the holy place and he learned how to prepare the sacrifice and he trained for 26 years before he assumed his leadership role. That is a long time to serve under a corrupt leader like Eli. It's easy to get weary when those around you are unholy and unqualified. But I rise to say you cannot get weary in well-doing because due season is on its way. <laughs> Acts seven twenty-three. Moses is born in a tumultuous time. He's drawn out of the water. He's given... To the daughter of Pharaoh who then gives him back to his own mother so that she can raise him for a moment because he is but an infant. He is then turned back over to the house of Pharaoh. He lives in luxury. He is a prince in Egypt. By all respects, he is the grandson of Pharaoh. He is the daughter, he is the, he is the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. But something happens in his life, Acts 7, 23, when he was a full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Moses lived 40 years in Egypt, but at 40, he had enough. <laughs> he stood up for his Israeli brother, and then when he was found out, he ran for his life. Exodus 7, 7. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. Which means that it took 40 years to expunge the trappings of Egypt and also to train Moses how to be a servant leader. 40 years in the house of Pharaoh, 40 years on the backside of Midian being a shepherd. It takes time to wash the mindset and the idea and philosophies out of our spirit You see, the new birth is the beginning. But to know the moving of the Holy Ghost takes both the hunger of the heart and its sensitivity to the Spirit. And if you don't prepare, you won't know. Don't despise the days and months and years of your preparation. God might use you to preach one sermon. I don't, I'm, I'm not concerned what your age is here. But if you've, if you've grown a little older, don't think that your ministry is over. It could be that God's preparing you for one great thing. And the one great thing has not yet happened. But like Stephen, who preached one sermon, that impact of your single message might be enough to guide the ministry of an enduring apostle like that of Paul. And speaking of Paul, let me tell you about Paul. Dennis McCollum wrote of Paul that after a period of about 14 years, Paul finally traveled to Antioch with Barnabas and he stayed for one more year having a train under Barnabas. That's Galatians chapter 1 and 2. I'll read Acts 11. Here it is. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus far to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him unto Antioch and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples are called Christians first in Antioch. You see, even after 14 years, Paul had to learn, had to be trained. He had to be guided. And then he needed one more year under the tutelage of Barnabas. 
And this is the problem. The problem is we don't understand how to make ready and we want it right now and we want it instant. But the Holy Spirit is calling this church to prepare for something greater than we've ever seen before. God is preparing us and we have to be prepared also. I'm asking you tonight, if 50 brand new souls, people walked into this building, could we love them? People that come from the world are often messed up. They got a lot of issues. We know because we have issues, (laughs) right? Just point to someone, you know who they are. If a hundred brand new people walked in and they wanted to be baptized in the only saving name of Jesus Christ, could we consume them? Could we help them? Could we love them? That's going to take time. I'm not talking about hiring 50 new ministers to be on staff so they can take phone calls. I'm talking about you putting them at your table and feeding them a lunch and loving on them. You got to get prepared. You got to be get prepared. You're going to say, yeah, but I, I don't think I can do that. Yes, you can do it. And tonight you're going to get prepared. You're going to say, but I don't feel qualified. That's okay. God doesn't call the qualified. He, he qualifies the people that he calls. God will give you the qualification. All you have to do is be willing and prepare. Joseph was sold by his brothers when he was 17 years old. He went through slavery. He finally made his way into the management at the house of Potiphar until he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. And though it appears that Potiphar believed him or he would have beheaded him, he just sent him to prison. It was a prison for people who had once esteemed themselves before other men. Joseph became the most favored prisoner among the prison guards and they gave him authority. So he made it to Pharaoh's courtyard at the age of 30 years old and revealed the dream of Pharaoh, which now launched him to the Egyptian kingdom management. And when he began, the fulfillment of the dream demanded that he would build barns. So he gathered grain for seven years because there were seven years of harvest, years of plenty. He built barn after barn, many of them. And then came the famine. It wiped out the field and the harvest alike. And now for full two years into the seven-year famine, Joseph will meet his own brothers and then be united with his father and his family. The dream that he had when he was a young teenager took at least 22 years to come to pass. He had to go through the school of bitterness He had to go through the class of abandonment. He had to pass through Potiphar's school of business and accusation and false accusation. Only to enter the royal prison school of management rejects. He managed fellow prisoners, all of them, and most of them forgot about him. They had no help and no hope. All of which had tasted the finer things of life, but now were wallowing in a prison themselves. And he finally made it to the Egyptian courtyard and ended up wearing the signet ring of the king. And it looks like from all biblical indications and declarations, Joseph needed 22 years of preparation to handle the dream that God gave him and to be able to forgive his brothers and embrace the calling. Because when you're wounded, you're not ready to forgive until you go through the school and understand how to be abandoned, falsely accused, and still keep your faith on God until at the end you can say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, and I'm not holding anything against you. I 
I'm here to say it takes preparation. You cannot despise the days of well-doing. You're going to reap. I'm preaching to somebody here tonight. You're about to reap, but you got to be steady and you got to be true. A due season is coming your way. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, receive it right now in the Holy Ghost. Receive it right now in your own spirit. You got to talk to yourself. I will not become weary. I know God is going to do this work. I know God is going to do this work. I want to go on, but I feel to stop right now. And I feel like God is going to minister to us. I'd like you to sit down and I want everyone who had a word from God many years ago and you saw it come to pass, but it took a long time to come to pass. I want you to stand up to your feet because you are a witness that God has done it even though it took a long time to get there. Now I want us to rejoice in the Lord that the Lord did the work in their lives. Now I want everyone to stand up who had a word from God, but it has not yet come to pass. God gave you a word. He gave you a vision. He gave you a dream. He gave you a prophecy. But it has not come to pass yet. (laughs) Make ready, make ready, make ready. Get prepared. Get ready, make ready. God is faithful. He's not a man that he should lie. God's not a man that he should lie. He's going to finish what he started in you. He's going to make it come to pass. God is faithful to perform it. So let men, let all the men be liars. But let God be true. God is faithful. Just stand with me for a moment, everybody. Um, this is a little insight into this, this area here. I don't know if it's the same for every person who stands here, but it's the insight into my little world here. It's not a big world. It's a little world. God gives me this thought. He shows me the scripture. I type it. I weep over it, pray over it. Then deliver it. But during the delivery is the response of the hearer. During the delivery is a demonic world that resists the word. And during delivery is my reaction to both of them. (laughs) That's the worst of them all. I know... When there is an an oppressive spirit, a demonic spirit, not a human spirit, I know that. 
But I also know when I'm preaching to people who are stuck in a little mire, you want to believe. You know what's happened to other people. You've seen the witness. But to think it can happen to you. So I'm dealing with this right now. I want to pull you out of that. It's a little bit of struggle because I can feel the tension. You want to come, but you're not, you're not sure you're ready to come out of that because you've been living for that, in that a long time. You might say it's been a long time I've been building, but I've seen no cloud in the sky. And I've, I've seen no rain and I, I've seen no help and I, I've seen no evidence that God's going to come through. But I've got to stay, say to you, God is going to come through and your due season is going to come. Let me just start, let me just start with this. I believe that God is going to manifest himself in this location, in this house. I believe God's going to manifest himself in this house with dozens and dozens of healings and miracles and hundreds more will be baptized. I believe that. I believe that. I've seen that. I've heard that. I felt that. I've been told that. Who who will believe it with me? I heard a scholar say there was a lot of room for people on the ark, but only eight of them got on. But even though no one was accepting the word at the time, Noah still built a large boat. Amen. And if the Lord comes back the day after we reach that revival, that pinnacle, praise God, we're gone. We're out of here. That's due season. Man, if that's, if there was a due season, the rapture, there's a due season. That's the last moment of time. You better be ready for the rapture. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to get in the water, be baptized in Jesus' name and be ready for the rapture. That's the Bible. It's not me. That's the script. It's in the scripture. Beautiful. It's wonderful. Amen. Now let's just come to our families because our families need to be saved. Our families need to be restored. I'll just raise my hand if you're not. Our families need to be restored. I'm raising my hand for other people that are not here. Our families need to be restored. Here's what the Lord spoke to me last week while I was preaching. I didn't utter it. Here's what the Lord told me last week. Some of your family members are going to move from other states to this church just to be saved before the rapture. They're going to they're going to move. It's not going to make any sense, but they're going to move, and they're they're moving to this this town, this city, and they're going to come in because of this house and because you're faithful in here, and you're going to see that, and they're going to be saved and ready for the coming of the Lord. You can receive that or not, but I'm I'm just going to tell you what the Lord told me. Now what the Lord specifically 
guided you on, I want you to try to get out of that clay and that mire. I want you to put on faith again. I want you to put on the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I want you to get prepared for the revival that's going to come through you. It's going to come through your house, people coming through your home, through your ministry, through your testimony, through your word, through your teaching. You don't have to have a microphone to teach the gospel. You don't need a platform to tell someone about Jesus. All you need is the Lord and the word, but you got to be prepared. You got to know what to say. You got to be ready to give an answer. I'm warning us tonight. Don't be weary in well-doing. It's all coming. It's all coming. It's all coming. In due season, everyone say due season. We're going to reap. Everyone say, I'm going to reap. Say, we're going to reap. All you have to do is stay awake and don't faint. I'm going to reap. All I have to do is keep walking and keep marching, keep my head up and not faint. That's all you have to do now. You're doing well. Just don't faint. Keep doing well. Keep doing well. Two seasons coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's going to be a powerful Holy Ghost explosion. It's coming. It's coming. Make ready. It's coming. And I end here. Two portions of scripture and I won't delve into the first, but I'll just, I'll give you the common one. As I was reading the scripture, I kept going back to the Old Testament, New Testament, where it talked about the fatted calf. What is it about this fatted calf? The fatted calf was different than the other calves. One of the farmers that passed away now once told me about at the end before he would butcher the calf, he'd bring it into a little pen and he'd he'd feed it special grain at the very end. And he'd feed it some grain. It had some maple in it. And he said, the meat tasted better. If if I brought the calf, the cow right before the butcher, if I, I brought that steaks were so good and it tasted a little different. He was preparing for the feast. And when the father in the prodigal and the parable said, kill the fatted calf, it meant that the father was making ready for the prodigal, the wayward son to come back home. It didn't catch him off guard. He didn't look around and say, hey, we're not even ready for a banquet. He said, oh no, I've been waiting for you a long time. I've got the calf. He's he's ready. I got the fatted calf. I brought him close because I thought, I knew you were coming. I knew you were going to get back home. I knew there was going to be a day we're going to have a celebration because we're making ready. Come on, just get out of your seat, everybody. Everybody, just get out of your seat and just gather close to the front. We're just going to thank God for the word here tonight. And we're going to ask God to help us get ready and prepare ourselves for a Holy Ghost revival. Come real close. All the way up. That's right, everybody. All the way up. Come on, here we go. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you're at home and you're watching, I want you to lift up your hands to the Lord right now and get ready. Just say, Lord, I'm not going to be weary. I'm not going to quit. I will not faint. My due season is coming. I'm going to reap. The house is going to reap. The church is going to reap. The people are going to reap. That's right. In the name of Jesus. Don't don't lose faith. Yes. Yes, 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 yes.
out of your voice, out of your own mouth, out of your own heart, begin to call on the Lord. Say, I love you. I trust you. I adore you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Come on, someone say it. Thank you for the word, Lord. I'm kept by the word, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've given me the hope I needed. Reassure me, Lord. You've ordered my steps.